Thanks, Jim. So the next question actually kind of puts together questions that multiple people have asked uh, in this session. It, it's from Tom in the live room. And he asks, is establishing and funding a donor advised fund in the same year you do a Roth IRA conversion a good strategy if I'm charitably inclined? Yeah, it's a great strategy. I've mentioned, you know, the dad combining a big charitable contribution and the Roth conversion at the same time. That worked out really well. The other question that we had was, gee, I'm in a high income tax bracket. Do I make my Roth now? No. Do I bunch my charitable contributions into a donor advised fund? By the way, a donor advised fund is really... Yes, I know I want to contribute so much to charity, but I really haven't done my homework yet, and I haven't figured out which charity is going to get what and when. Um, I want the money to grow uh, tax-free between the time that I make the donation or the contribution to the donor advised fund and the time that the charity actually gets the money after I've decided. And by the way, if it's a large amount, a lot of times you might actually want to meet with the uh, the development director of, let's say, a large charity or university, et cetera. Because if it's a large amount, you can probably have some say in terms of how the money is used. So if you're, let's say, a professor and you're interested in giving a half a million dollars to your university, although here's a little secret, by the way, the professors more often give money to where they went to school rather than where they are teaching uh, uh, or where they had their careers. A lot of people don't know that. Um, so if I was a development director, I might spend more time on alumni of the school, even if they're a professor teaching somewhere else, but that's an aside. But anyway, for, for somebody like that, um, they might be able to think how they want the money spent. So somebody might, well, I, might, I, I don't want the money to go to build new buildings. I want it to go for scholarships. Or somebody else might say, well, I want the money to um, fund a chair because I want to bring in a person that kind of teaches the same kind of theory that I was advocating. Or we had somebody who was very interested in bullying um, and kind of in conjunction with Mr. Rogers, who, by the way, is a who was a Pittsburgher. And she wanted some of the work that she was doing to continue, but the university didn't have the funds to hire that person and maintain that person's salary. So she said, okay, I'm going to give you guys this much money, but I want this money to be used for you to hire somebody who's going to further the uh, research and uh, things that people can be doing about bullying. So you can sometimes, uh, if the contribution is large enough, now, if you're giving a thousand bucks, hey, people don't care. And some charities actually will kind of give you um, a choice. So I certainly make contributions to the United Jewish Fund every year. And I can say, well, where I want it to go. And, you know, obviously I have my personal preferences and they anticipate a number of those. So that gives me, let's say, some better feeling that the money's going for something that I'm more supportive of. Um, rather than other funds that maybe other Jewish folks and donors uh, might give money to. So anyway, um, donor advised funds make a lot of sense in combining 
uh, a large contribution, maybe even a bunch of contribution. I use the example that you're normally giving 20,000 a year uh, and it might make sense to do $100,000 a year and to do a big Roth conversion in the same year. Um, or you have to watch the, uh, the, the limitations. But anyway, uh, Roth IRA conversions and charitable contributions and even specifically donor advised funds are kind of like peas and carrots. They go wrong. They, they're very good in conjunction. Awesome. And before I go to our next question, I just wanted to remind people that uh, we do have the offer up right now. As we get to the end of the session, we are going to start putting the bonuses up. And so that will actually like supplant the offer. So if you are interested in meeting with Jim, either because you are interested in potentially investing at least a million of your investable assets with us, then you would want a retire secure consultation and you would just click that offer and fill out the form there. And if you're interested in a master plan development engagement where we would do the same kind of, or at least the majority of the work that we do with our asset under management clients in that first year developing their master plan, but that it would be a limited engagement, you should definitely click the form and fill out the, sorry, I sound like you, Jim, I would click the button and fill out the form um, because uh, uh, that is an engagement that we might not be offering for very much longer. So, okay, now that I'm done stumbling over my words and talking like I don't know what the internet is, let's see. Um, the next question that I have is from Ben in the live room. And he says, how will after-tax dollars, not Roth dollars, in a 401k be treated under the SECURE Act beginning in 2022? Now, I'm not sure if he's referring to the portion of the SECURE Act that relates to inherited IRAs. He didn't use the word inherited there, so I guess I'll leave it up to you. Well, the SECURE Act is about inherited IRAs. So first, a couple comments. Uh, Erica, you're right. It would be horrendous if you sounded like me. Um, so I can understand you apologizing if you thought that you sounded like me at all. Um, but in all, in all seriousness, um, whether it's some after-tax dollars or pre-tax dollars, if you die with money in an IRA or a 401k and your beneficiary doesn't meet any of the exceptions, that money will have to come out uh, within 10 years of your death. Part of it could be after-tax dollars, part of it could be pre-tax dollars, but it all has to come out in 10 years. But if you're in that situation, and I don't mean if you just have a thousand or $2,000, because then very frankly, the aggravation of it is probably going to be worse. Or it's, it's going to be, it, it's, it's some aggravation to jump through the hoops unless the money's still in a 401k, um, then it's not quite as much aggravation. But if, if it is substantial, like you have $50,000, of after-tax dollars in your IRA or in your 401k plan, I want you to—I don't want you to die with that. I want you to convert that money, and that's the uh, the urgency that I mentioned earlier that we want that money converted before year end. Um, and, and frankly, that is part of our triage plan is or handling helping people handle that uh, that aspect, uh, particularly for our assets under management clients. So hope that helps. 
Jim, I would love to sound uh, like you when I'm talking about, you know, complex financial and retirement planning topics, um, but I can't. So, uh, you yeah, know, all I try to do is master the, uh, here are the offers and here's what to do stuff. And I was messing that up too. So, <laughs> but the next question is actually a long question. It's from Harry in the live room and he asks, so he says, there's a financial advisor on the internet espousing doing accelerated Roth conversions in as little as one to three or four years. He also recommends using alternative assets, um, including life settlements and uh, viaticals, oil and gas exploration and utilizing bonus depreciation, thus reducing one's tax liability by about 75% when used in conjunction with the gifting enhancements provided by the CARES Act. He is the only one I've heard espousing this idea. Is this something that Lang Financial Group recommends or is this a risky proposition? And I will say, Harry, some of this, I know Lang Financial Group actually, we leave some of, some of the things you're talking about here, I believe, to our partner firms for the advice. But Jim, if there's any part of that you wanted to address. Well, a couple things. First, I don't like the idea of limiting yourself to just several years of Roth IRA conversions. Um, why? I'm all about flexibility. When we do the trust and estate section tomorrow, you're going to find out about what I believe is the most flexible estate plan that there, that there is. I do not believe in tying somebody's hands. I would say off the top of my head for a lot of people on this call right now, particularly people maybe in their 60s um, or even older, that the best Roth IRA conversion plan is not likely to be to do it in several years. I get it. Taxes could go up in 2026. I certainly don't want to commit myself to that kind of strategy. And in general, I don't like advice that is given without running the numbers and to say, okay, here's my peer review proof. Um, then we get to some of the recommendations that were made in terms of the investments. And I'll just, I, I don't want to, I'll just say I am very leery of, now some alternative investments make sense. And I have some myself um, as, for example, a substitute of a bond fund is a fund that lends money to businesses that banks would not, but that this company thinks are still good risks and they pay a higher than the normal um, interest rate um, to the people who buy that. I, I have some of that in my personal portfolio because I don't like getting just, just the one or 2% in traditional fixed income. Is there some risk? Yes. Do I think it's worth it? Yes. You have to be really careful about some of the other things that were mentioned. I think that there was an oil deal um, that, and a lot of times there's a real estate deal and people want to put these alternative investments into uh, self-directed IRAs. First, I will tell you that administratively a self-directed IRA can be a nightmare. Uh, second, um, again, we're fiduciaries. We always do what we think is in the best interest of the client. Uh, very frankly, you can make a lot more money if you sell real estate or if you sell uh, gas and oil deals or if you sell equipment deals. Most of those deals, frankly, are out of favor. Um, usually high-end fiduciary type. Um, now I'm going to get people who are selling these, you know, complaining and moaning and groaning. 
Um, I'll just say that we don't like to mess around with that. Um, I might even avoid a, uh, an engagement if somebody is, you know, really wants that. And some people, you know, they just have real estate on their brain. And, you know, one guy was way over, you know, had way too much money of his, of his assets in real estate. And I suggested selling. And he said, well, good idea. Cause then I can take the sales from the real estate that I, and then make a down payment on an even bigger piece of real estate. Um, so I, I get it. Some people, you know, really like some of these different things. Um, I'll just tell you that that is typically not an area that we uh, know about, not typically an area that we recommend, which isn't to say that um, if you like oil and gas, there's, there are some uh, enhanced index funds where that might be part of the ownership, but a straightforward oil and gas deal, while might certainly have benefits. Uh, it sounds like high fee to me. And, you know, a lot of these master limited partnerships and all this stuff, again, I'm not going to say they don't have merit, but I'll just say that we don't, we personally don't mess with them. And if it's such a big part of somebody's uh, portfolio, we might just decline the engagement because it's not really something that we do. All right. So I don't mean to pour water on the idea that you're really excited about. But just just think, I mean, very frankly, or, or even annuities. So to make a long story short, if the advisor is earning, you know, six, eight, ten percent of the investment on the sale of an annuity, um, I might have to work for 20 years to make that much money. Um, and that means running the numbers and answering questions and serving you, blah, 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 blah. I'd make a lot more money if I just sold you an annuity, but I don't think it's the right thing for you. I'm a fiduciary. So I am not convinced that these oil deals, et cetera, et cetera, are really the right thing for clients. So I just kind of stay away from them. And I believe that Adam Yofan and Buckingham and, and frankly, the other two money managers that we work with who are both excellent, Denuso, and for Pitt, I don't think that that they they've ever recommended that kind of stuff. Thanks, Jim. So really quickly, um, I just noticed a question from a while back, and I believe the question came when we were discussing the uh, book for professors. Um, Reed June asked, "What uh, is the name of the book, and how can we get a copy?" So the name is "Retire Secure for Professors," and if you haven't already, you can go to one of the two links that are in the sticky note at the top right-hand side of your screen right now and just fill out the form there and we will deliver automatically a digital copy and we can also send you a physical copy of that. Okay. Yeah, so and to be fair, that's an advanced reader copy. That's yes. not the official copy. And the other thing, by the way, even if you're not a professor, that's our latest and greatest and just don't read the two chapters on TI Pref. And every time you see professor, think IRA owner, um, you'd get a lot of value out of that. You know, beating the death taxes right now are most recent classic for every IRA and retirement plan owner. But there's 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 some value in that book, even for non-professors. But certainly, if you're a professor, if you're you have TIAA, you certainly want to get that. Absolutely. Um, and now we have had, I, Jim, I believe you addressed this question before, but you did it uh, because you remembered it from 
the uh, from the question list, and it, I, I think the questioner maybe didn't know that you'd answered his question, so I'll ask it again. Uh, Cam asked, uh, "What what when is the deadline to convert 401k to Roth for the 2021 tax year?" Well, I'll, I'll broaden the question. What is the deadline for any Roth IRA conversion? Any Roth. Um, any 401k to Roth 401k, any 403b to Roth 403b, and technically the deadline for a 2021 conversion is December 31, 2021. Mechanically, getting all this done in the last two weeks of the year can be a nightmare, and frankly, people miss it. So I would, if I would move on this as quickly as, as I could. Um, very frankly, if people are smart and they're thinking about a Roth conversion this year, get on my calendar soon. And even if even if we don't have time to to move forward with with everything, and even if I don't have time to do a complete analysis, I might just say, well, you know, I, this isn't the complete analysis, but maybe do a hundred thousand dollars, or maybe do nothing, or maybe whatever it might be. So, no, the deadline for and, and see, here's the thing. If the right strategy is to do a series of conversions over a period of time while you're in a low tax bracket, if you miss a year, you can't, say, double up the next year and get the same result. It would be much worse. So, you know, that's why I, there really is urgency here. This isn't something that I made up as a marketing ploy. Uh, you need to get this done before year end. If you have after-tax dollars inside an IRA or retirement plan, then it's really serious that action needs to be taken before year end. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. So we have so many questions from the live room. Uh, this one is from Mike, and he asks, if you are 72, still working, but at a different company that also has a 401k, do you need to pay or I guess take an RMD on the 401k account from your previous company if you did not roll it over to your new company? Uh, the straightforward answer is yes, you do. So minimum required distribution started age 72, used to be uh, 70 and a half or more technically April 1st after the year you turned 70 and a half. Now it's 72 and the exception is if the money is in a retirement plan and you and with respect to the company where it is, you are still actively employed. And by the way, you can thank President Clinton for that because he said, hey, if you're still working, even if you're older than 70, you shouldn't be forced to take minimum required distributions. But if you are retired or service terminated uh, with regards to where that money is or if it's just in a plain old IRA, then you do have to take minimum required distributions. Now, maybe what might be interesting, depending on the investment choices within the 401k of the new company, is to take money from the 401k of the old company or IRA money and put it into the 401k of the new money. And then it's not so clear, and there's a very good argument that you don't have to take any minimum required distribution, even though the money was earned from the old company. And by the way, don't quote me on that one. I haven't looked at that for a while, but I know that we have done that and um, that saved people from making a minimum required distribution. So, um, you know, and by the way, that's one of the advantages of going to a fiduciary 
who will look at those things, even though they might be talking themselves out of a fee. So if I say, hey, you should take a million dollars from your IRA and put it into a 401k plan, and now that reduces the amount of money that you could potentially invest, um, I'm hurting myself, right? And same with a Roth conversion. If you had a million four and we're recommending a million dollar conversion and you spend $400,000 to pay the tax, instead of getting a fee on 1.4, getting a fee on one, but that's the whole idea of a fiduciary, which is they place your interest above their own. So again, I hope that helps. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Um, and now there's another question from Jamie from the live room. Jamie asks, when planning for retirement, what kinds of things do we need to think about during those last high earning years? For example, preloading our donor advised fund while we're still itemizing and in a higher tax bracket? Uh, yes. And here's what, here's what I would say. I would max out retirement plans, traditional retirement plans, when you're in your highest tax bracket, do the donor advised funds or straightforward charitable contributions, um, you know, get as much money as you, as the plan will permit in your HSA, that is the health savings account, um, and then do your Roth IRA conversions after you are retired in, in a low tax bracket. Um, and, and the other thing is, this is not necessarily a tax thing, is think about what, what the heck you're going to do. Um, one of the things I like about Larry Swedro's book that we're going to be sending to folks is, um, you know, he talks about some of the non-financial aspects of retirement, and he talks about how important it is to develop some kind of plan, um, whether it's volunteering or whether it's um, getting involved in activities or hiking and biking or traveling or whatever it is, the the people who have more successful retirements um, are people who have planned for their retirement, have a plan of how they're going to spend their time. Um, or you get people like me who I might not want to work as hard as I did when I was 30, but I love what I do and my plan is to work indefinitely. So anyway, it's good to have a plan. Those who plan to fail, fail to wait. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. So uh, it's good to have a plan for both taxes and uh, non-financial. 